Blog Talk Radio.
Dear man, I see. So glad if I had all of her children to deal with me again. We had one great time going down through Florida, through all the seminar land and things like that over the last week since I had to get him a voice. And then we're so glad if I had the time for Johnny back up for this year time for we going back into Georgia this year weekend and things like that. This year weekend going to be we Gullah Geechee weekend in Georgia. Gwine Riceboro, where's the Gullah Geechee going to go over where Rice did? Okay, then. We going Riceboro Saturday, taking the kickoff 10 o'clock in the morning at Geechee Kunda. And then it got had a stage and thing open up at noon. So, Hunter Chillin' to join me there. Then Sunday, we going to Savannah, Savu, where we got have Oida, Gullah Geechee, a lecture by one of we Wisdom Circle Council Elders, first members. Dr. Mary Jamal Tariq. They also had an art of Richard Law going on at that time. So if Hunter Children want more about that, you can email me at G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. We're going to be putting up some things about them tomorrow at GullahGeechaNation.com. And Hunter can grind on and call and chill on for know what to grind on and how to get there to Geechee Kunda and how to get there to Beach Institute at a 912-884. 4440, 912-884-4440, or 912-234-8000, 912-234, just like if you know how to count, 8000. So either one of them number right there, you can grind on, call and find out what the Gullah Geechee weekend in Georgia, we're coming up Saturday the 19th, Sunday the 20th of April, and things like that. You know we just finished up the Tunis Campbell celebration in Brunswick, so now we grind just right kind of next door, most next door, grind Riceboro, and then coming back this year, we toward me, Punts and Tell Nana, where we to get in Savu. All of this year, the part of the Gullah Geechee Nation, and all of this year, the why we to still celebrate Gullah Geechee land and legacy Pantapa. And now, Hunter Chillin will be in the Yedemi Punisher program over the years. You don't get me crack my teeth, but this your topic, my land, over and over and over. And read it was for Ayers property. And Hunter Chillin with a dear friend, we Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page, plenty of you. Always to post up the show, always to ask a lot of questions, always to say well, when you can come for this year, or the rest of the show, for let you know about Ayers property. Where you can grind back in the archive for this year and get plenty to broadcast. But tonight, I'm glad because I got two people who work in the law for this year topic. So let me turn over the way they're cracking teeth and things like that this way, because this is the way these two that I'm about to bring on the air, although, you know, one of them is going to get you too. They talk like this, like a lot of my listeners around the world. So so that all of you get understanding, and y'all know if you've been on our Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page, you may have seen the article recently done and published in Ireland in the Irish Times, one of their largest publications in that country, about the Gullah Geechee Nation and about our language. So, And, uh, they, of course, you saw my image, but then someone else who a lot of us don't like to talk about who actually is in law himself and is a Supreme Court justice was in that article. So we have situations where it comes down to choice. There's a choice whether you're going to be bilingual. There's a choice whether you choose today that if you know the language, whether you speak it in public or not. There's a choice to also go ahead and use your education or what you've learned in another culture through their language, their mores, and so on, to use it only for individualism or to use it still for the collective group. So when we start to talk about land and legacy in the Gullah Geechee Nation, a great deal of that is tied to the collective group. 
tied to collective consciousness, tied to elders and family members contributing to one person going off to school, one person moving off away from home to go somewhere else to maybe a more urban environment or somewhere a little further away to get a job, get a good education, but to send money back home to help the family. So with my guest tonight, I've had the opportunity to work very closely with one of them over many, many years now, Attorney Willie Haywood, and many of you have heard me talk about the Ayers Property Law Center numerous times. You have seen things even on Gullah Geechee TV with us doing workshops, seeing images on our Facebook fan page and in our Twitter feed, and y'all can still follow us at Gullah Geechee on Twitter and at Gullah Geechee at Instagram, and I am yet looking forward to having him and also my other guest tonight, Attorney H. Anderson Jones, who many of you are probably familiar with, especially if you are in more the upcountry, getting all the way up there almost to the borderline, about to leave out of South Carolina. Y'all might be more familiar with him as opposed to in the low country, in the Sea Island area. They both have been working on heirs' property issues for many, many years. And so as you all have heard here on this broadcast, and as I mentioned in Gullah Geechee earlier, you can go back to the archives of this show and you can download them for free through tunes, or you can go back to our site at blogtalkradio.com slash Gullah Geechee and find the previous editions of shows I've done on heirs' property. And you would have heard me talk about and read from a document that Attorney Willie Haywood and I wrote together. We co-wrote for the General Management Plan of the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor, the section on Ayers Property. And so, and many of you on, that watch Gullah Geechee TV saw he and I both talk about that as we presented that General Management Plan to the public some years ago in Mount Pleasant. But I want to read to you tonight from the passage from the foreword that Attorney Willie Haywood of the Ayers Property Law Center wrote for this brand-new book that is truly a critical tool. You can go to Amazon right now as I speak and order your copy. You can get the hard copy like I have in hand. Yours ain't going to be autographed like mine because C.I. the Queen. But uh, you can get the hard copy. You can also go on and get it for your tablet. I ordered one for my tablet before I even got my copies in the mail, and we definitely have it here in the Alkibulan archive. The book is entitled Heirs Property in the African-American Community, and it was written by H. Anderson Jones, who's going to join us shortly. But I wanted to read this because it builds on, it continues what I have been stating all year and over the years in this broadcast about Ayers Property. And I think it captures the essence of why we are still fighting to hold on to this land. And it reads as follows. The link between Ayers Property and the legacy of formerly enslaved Africans is a strong one. The connection between our ancestors and the land has a cultural basis that forever bonds and forever defines us as one family. The land that we now call Ayers Property was passed down through generations so that our and subsequent generations would always have a place to call home. That land has been preserved through generations of struggle, blood, sweat, and tears to the benefit of the family. We often heard our ancestors talk about not selling the land or keeping the land in the family. This same land when acquired by our ancestors, 
was the less desirable land, i.e. the lowland, marshland, isolated fossils, but is now some of the most desirable and expensive property in the country. The preservation of this real estate by our ancestors was not for speculative purposes, but as a place of abode for the family. So here it is that it goes on into where we are today, whether we preserve, whether we retain, and whether we maintain black land ownership, Gullah Geechee land ownership, heirs property ownership, and how we might do so. And that is why this book, Heirs Property in the African American Community, is such a critical tool and why we wanted to make sure to bring to our airwaves the gentleman behind this book, the one that wrote the foreword, who I consider my brother and my brother-in-law, as well as our brother here, Brother Jones. Good evening, brothers. How are you chilling to do this evening? All right, Queen Claire, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I hear Brother Willie voice. Brother Jones, hey, hey, how are you doing? doing? I'm good, doing good. well. You hanging in there in that up country? Yes, ma'am. We're holding it down. I know that's right. So, yes, and Brother Willie here, it's so good to get you to slow down and actually get you on the phone this evening, too. Oh, yeah. You know, I try. You know, I, I wouldn't have missed this one for the world, especially talking about uh, Ayers property and how important that is to the Gullah community. Definitely, definitely. And this is an outstanding work that you both have really added energy to, and I'm very glad that Brother Jones was moved to put this together because, as you both told me before I got my copies and had me here chopping at the bit for two weeks before I got them in my hands, um, this book is not the academic version of Air's Property that I've been accustomed to having to get through, having to email folks like y'all to say, okay, what does this legalese mean and y'all's world and all of that. But something that I feel the average Gullah Geechee family can actually use for themselves because not only do you break it down, like I like to say, break it down like a shotgun and make the English plain for everyone, but the examples that are given and the sample documents that are in there I think are really critical to families, and I'm really praying that families will start to use this at, at reunions, and I know that at the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition we are going to start to help y'all promote that they do that because I'm often asked to come to family reunions and speak about our history and culture and land ownership and these things, and we're trying all the more to get families to gather around as property while we got everybody together. And on that note, I want to jump right into an opening paragraph in this forward and have you both comment on it. This paragraph says, Our ancestors protected and passed this property down with very limited resources and education. But our generations, with relatively abundant resources and education, find it difficult to either keep the property or to benefit from the tremendous increase in value. So now, Brother Jones, this statement that was written in the foreword by Attorney Haywood, was this any part of your motivation for even putting together a book like this? Yes, Queen, it was. Um, from experience, 
that both Willie and I share from helping heirs, property families around the state, uh, we we noticed that all the heirs who we currently meet with, to, whether it's to clear up the land or protect the property, can remember how grandma and granddaddy struggled to pay the property taxes and maintain the property, and um, how today in this day and age, um, relatively few people actually help contribute to the property taxes and. If, if there are people from outside of South Carolina who who are not attached to the land, they may be more interested in in the fair market value of the land as opposed to protecting the property itself. Mm-hmm. And in other words, selling it, yeah. feeling like they can get the cash more immediately as opposed to contributing to continue to pay taxes on it, right? Yes, ma'am. But remember, they never paid any tax on it. The ones who the want to sell it. There we go. <laughs> Critical element. Yeah, brother, brother Willie Haywood. I heard you chiming in. Go right ahead. Brother Willie, you there? You there? Brother Jones, you still there? Yes, ma'am. He may have gotten cut off. Okay. Yeah, he must. Yeah, his signal must have dropped off. I see that he just dropped off, but we would get him right back. Now, I think it's it's vital. You started right into ah, he's right back now. We got him back. Hold on, let's get him here. Right, I heard right, it, brother. Right. Hey, would you back? Yeah, you you dropped yeah. out for a minute on us. Yeah, we heard you chiming yeah. in well, on that note. The, Go uh, right the ahead. network failed, but you know, I got I got a I don't have the, I don't have the apple like you folks, you know. The um, <laughs> I'd like to chime in on what uh, what, what Horace uh, said uh, a little more. The you know the, the cultural difference between uh, my ancestors who really had a close contact with the land, and also I think of the, the foundation for these folks was the family and not themselves. You know the collective right. uh, that they that mm-hmm. they that they helped each other, protected each other stuck together because that was all they had. Uh, they didn't have they right. didn't have they didn't they couldn't rely on a lot of outside resources. Uh but now we have uh their uh their heirs who uh you know view in some cases view their ancestors and, and with with some sort of uh disdain uh because they mm-hmm. have now uh you know uh bought into this uh pull myself up by the bootstrap uh, yeah. Paradigm that is all is all about them, and and because of their 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 efforts, they are where they were, and they don't realize uh, these these folks uh, who they, whose shoulders they're, they're they're standing on to get them where they are today. So that, that I think right. the fragmentation of this black family is 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 a crucial element that has to be addressed when you when you when you talk about ears property and and the loss of the black man. Absolutely, and I I agree 100% with what you're saying. And a lot of our listeners who are new to hearing about heirs' property, I would love for you, Brother Jones, to define for them what is heirs' property because I know full well we as Gullah Geechee's truly entered into having what now amounts to heirs' property, but this collective land ownership or this tenancy in common, so to speak, 
during the Civil War. I know in your book you talk about African Americans in general in the South, so you start really after the Civil War has ended and the Emancipation Proclamation, but Gullah Geechee themselves became landowners largely in 1862 while the war was still going on and land was being auctioned off because I personally still have the deeds for the land that I still own for both sides of my family that date back to then. And I know that last critical word on the deed after all the great-great-great-daddy name and great-great-grandmama and all they churn and all the people they raised and everybody else, that it says, and their heirs. But why does this term exist? What to the layperson is as property? Well, I think the best way to to define heirs' property is by way of example, which you've indicated. I, you know, I try to, every time there's a point that I need to try to bring home, I would do it by way of example. And and to continue to help define it, uh, if your great-grandfather and your great-grandmother purchased property, whether they were slaves or not, and they died, they owned the land, but they died without a will, and the state of your grandparents, your great-grandparents, was not probated within a prescribed time period, now it's about 10 years, then the land automatically passes by law uh, to the descendants or heirs of your great-grandparents. And those descendants or heirs become co-tenants to the property. Now, the true owners of the land will not be discovered until some court action is done that will involve a quiet title action. And by quiet title action, I mean the judge will will expect the family or the family's attorney to identify who the current owners of the property are. So heirs' property, in essence, is land that was that the where the original landowners died without wills, or if they had wills, their estates were not probated within a prescribed time, 10 years, and the land just sort of passed along from generation to generation. Now, so, Brother Willie Haywood, explain this term probate, because we hear it a lot now, but I don't recall... When I was a little girl, anybody ever talking about probate? I do recall folks not wanting to write a will because they think if they write a will, they go die. So <laughs> well, please, talk, please talk about that aspect of this not having a will, dying like they say, and then your your land ends up having to go to probate. And what is probate? Well, probate basically is a, is a public. Process and, and I want everyone to keep that in mind. It is a public uh, process. It's not. It's not a, a, a private transaction. Uh, it's a public process by which you uh, uh, file in probate court, uh, identifying the person who has died, and having someone appointed as that person's personal representative or executor, if, if you will. And the whole purpose of probate. Me, is that that the decedent's creditors paid before the decedent's property passes either by will or by what they call intestate succession, meaning that the person doesn't have a will, and then the state of South Carolina by statute has already written 
uh, of will by which, you know, the the uh, procedure by which that property is disseminated among that person's ears. So someone, the state wants to make sure that the creditors are paid, and, you know, the funeral bill is paid, and any bills that, that this person may owe the state, such as Medicaid, uh, he might owe the hospital, uh, are paid before that person's property then can pass to that person's ears or either that person's disease uh, by will. So you can you can have probate without a will. Will isn't necessary, but probate is necessary for a title to property to pass out of that deceased deceased person's name to their ears. Right. It's it's still in that person's name and that person may have died back in nineteen thirty two. But it's still right. that that's the last legal uh title holder because they have they haven't availed themselves of that probate process. And also uh uh Horace mentioned, you know, the statutory requirements now under the modern state probate statute that it a will has to be probated within uh ten years or it's if you didn't you didn't have a will that that you died uh intestate. But I, I think the probate process in itself, like you said, is is not well it's not a well publicized process. Uh right. and people don't realize their responsibilities uh to to act when someone dies and what the procedure is when someone dies. So I think that's where the where education comes in. Uh, what you're doing is excellent to disseminate that information. Probate is not a difficult process, but there are other uh, other devices. I, I think uh, Horace is, is, has uh, alluded to that in his book, other devices right. you can do to, um, you know, to minimize the negative impacts of, of having to go through uh, probate to pass, to pass property. Go through probate. Your, uh, yes. To pass the heirs, and that I'm glad you mentioned because one of the chapters that I thought would definitely make our folk and and yeah, listeners, I talk about black people now. It would make us read it. It's chapter eight, which is entitled mm-hmm. "Heirs Property as a Lottery Ticket." Yeah. yeah, we ain't the only ones play lottery, but y'all know y'all will listen when somebody talk about the lottery. I would have made this chapter one. <laughs> um, the title of chapter one, honestly, but it is chapter eight. And it, when I saw it, I had to look at that twice, and I had to laugh and when I saw the title. I said, "Air property has a lottery ticket. Well, I need to read this. And so I thought it was interesting because it starts right off saying, "Air's property is often referred to in a reactionary state of property existence such as strategies to protect the land and other intrinsic attributes centering on preserving the land. The economic value of the property to the family has rarely been explored. Though the average family places the economic value of the land last on their own list of priorities, the fact remains that the economic value of the property is what attracts developers. And most of my listeners, y'all know who the rest of the world call developers, I call destructioners. You know that this is one of the reasons many Gullah Geechee families have been displaced that were living on heirs' property is because someone else 
suddenly saw this land that at the beginning of the show we said used to be the so-called low land and the land they didn't want, the undesirable land, is now the expensive land. It's the resort land. It's the paradise land. It's the beach land. It's the marsh front. It's the places where you can build your private dock. So everybody wants to be here. Everybody wants to golf with the marsh in the background and this kind of thing. People want to be at the hotel looking out at the Atlantic Ocean. So now where we used to bury our people, and that's a whole other topic for another night, has become places that people want to build over, as well as family compound lands that are heirs' property near such places have become extremely valuable to others where there are those cousins that we talked about don't pay a dime in land tax. But let some developer, destructionaire approach them and say, hey, I'll buy your interest. They're ready to get a check for an interest in something they never invested in financially. And they will try to push the people who live on the land to also join in and sell, and then where will they go? So, again, we're taking a risk. You're taking a chance, the same way you're taking a chance with a lottery ticket. Wherein having land and sustaining the ownership of it is something you know is guaranteed as opposed to this wish and a prayer that if you sell it, you're going to be able to live somewhere else and afford to live somewhere else. So you're really taking a chance. So I thought this was really appropriately named. But what's so critical in this chapter is cooperation within family infrastructure. Now, I know you all have already heard both attorneys mention the word family over and over heirs over and over, descendants of people, all right? So if you don't get along with your cousins, here comes the issue that often brings us into court. So, Brother Jones, I noticed that throughout the book, you have a lot of things laid out, like you said, by example, from not only needing to have your genealogy done, so that you actually know who your family members are (laughs) and also the percentages then that the court looks at in terms of what amount of interest each heir would have in a particular parcel of property, depending on where they rank, so to speak, on the family tree. But you also go into titles like the seniority rules we have, leadership is respected and honored, family unity, um, the relationship with interlopers and migrators, and you give some really great examples that some of these I'm familiar with because a couple cases you got in this book I actually worked on. Um, So it's really interesting to me that you took the time to break out these things. What made you decide to lay this out in this manner and talk about stuff like seniority rules and leadership being respected and honored in a family, as opposed to just kind of sticking to the legal parameters and maybe the family tree and the percentages? Uh, Queen Quet, when when I sat down and wrote that book, um, the purpose of that book was to simplify things for the average Heirs property. I just assumed I was writing that book for my wife's family. They're from Ladies Island, and they had heirs property. But you also could tell by the examples, like you said, some of the cases you actually participated in, all those mm-hmm. cases tell a story. The successful yes, cases where the people wanted to protect their land, it, mm-hmm. it had those families had key elements. They had centralized leadership. They had seniors who 
passed the torch down, who took care of the family, knew the family tree, had a Rolodex of all our heirs, family members, had their mailing addresses, had their phone numbers. They were in contact, even though the people may have drifted outside of South Carolina, which we call, I mean, you know, I, I kind of designated names. The people who live near the property, I call them the homesteaders. Those are the people who are always going to protect the land. The right. interlopers are typically the people who marry into the family but live outside the family. And there right. are a number of different names that are assigned to the different types of characters who play roles in this story that we go through called Ears Property. And mm-hmm. what I wanted to stress was I don't care what type of family you have, you need somebody in a leadership position. You need somebody who keep those people, the migrators who live outside of South Carolina, abreast of what's going on, keep them involved in the family. The closer the people feel to the core, the center group of the family, the less likely they are to go, look, I'm just going to sell my interest, I'm tired of the people, or I don't care anything about the land, I'd rather have my money. The successful families, they have close relationships. Even the people outside in Georgia, California, whatever, those people still will not sell their interest to a developer because of their relationship, the closeness of the family tie. Conversely, families that are more fractured where the youngsters don't respect the elders, where they don't ask permission to put a trailer on the land and get get that permission from the seniors, those types of families tend to be more likely to lose their land than, Mm -hmm. you know, on the opposite end of the the, um, pole. So... The, the family structure, that leadership, determines the faith of the land. And, and not all families with strong or weak bonds end up selling their land. There are opportunities to lease the land. Uh, as a family I right. took care of in Louisiana, 600 heirs, but they leased their land to the oil companies, meaning they got a paycheck every month from the um, oil, oil companies. Company. Yeah. So... There are mm-hmm. different ways. Some families, you know, may be better leasing their land to do commercial activities. Some people actually participate in partial development of their land. But it all depends upon the type of leadership involved. And I'll let Willie elaborate on that because I'm sure he's done twice as many cases as I have. Like this, and I want him to elaborate, though, on that along with this point because you just – made a very critical point I was going to get to because, you know, a lot of the ones that you mentioned, the interlopers, the ones who don't have no respect, they're quick to want the fast dollar. So they're not necessarily the family members that are listening with even the leadership of the family is talking. So, but here it is that I know you have options, and I know Brother Willie and I have talked about this, limited liability corporations. An example you gave with the family that's leasing their land, are they doing this still as just an heirs group, a general group, like a family reunion group, or have they legally incorporated or formed a limited liability corporation? Oh, yes, ma'am. Even though there's 600 people, we still set up a limited liability company. And it wasn't easy. The way that you get them to participate, whether they want to participate or not, is telling them that their checks are dependent upon full participation 
and you'll get them to participate. But with 600 people, it is very time-consuming and labor-intensive, but it is possible. And if we can get 600 people to participate, I know that there shouldn't be any family around in a low country that is larger than that. Right, so and that shouldn't be able to pull together the 60 or so people uh-huh. that come to the reunion. Right. Yes. <laughs> and so, and so, yes, yeah, so, Brother Willie Haywood, talk a little bit about that because I know – you have been doing a lot of work like that, trying to even educate people at Ed's Property Workshops in our area, on these sea islands, in the city of Charleston, Ham Buford County, up and down the coast, and even in other parts of the Gullah Geechee Nation now, to really, as I like to say, overstand, but people would say understand, that there are some tools that you don't have to just pay tax and that's all, but there are ways that you can benefit as a collective, so that some other way that the taxes can get paid, but also ways to protect you from sort of this almost piercing of the veil and someone else getting in from the outside and causing a forced partition sale. Can you talk about some of these methods that you've talked about with some of these families and maybe getting them gathered around a limited liability company or other mechanisms? Well, one, uh, I use, and, and Horace was right, that, that using a limited liability company uh, format is, is a powerful way to, uh, I think it's an amalgam of, of, of the family and, uh, and, 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 and that legal entity, which makes it ideal because it's democratic. And it's, yeah. and it's fair and equitable where everybody has uh, some sort of input into the process. So I use the the ancestors. I always should keep the ancestors to the forefront and let them know that without that, this is not your property. This is who this, right. this is who got the property. This is a sacrifice for it, and this is property uh, it belongs to. And and you right. are reaping the, the benefits and the fruits because of that person or person's uh, efforts. So I try to keep that ancestor uh, to the to the uh, to the forefront. One one thing that I really notice is the things that Hollis were talking about these these intangibles, uh, the, the negative dynamics that go on uh, among family members are mm-hmm. detrimental to the process, to detrimental to them actually. Uh, actualizing some some, some some benefits from from that from that property interest they own, and some of those differences and conflicts uh, to the average person they don't make sense. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, people mm-hmm. cutting trees, people putting mobile homes on there, people taking advantage of other family members, people shutting out some family members because they live on the property, or some people attacking some family members because I live in New York and you live in South Carolina. Or I right. got a PhD and you don't have a high school diploma or whatever uh-huh. the case may be. But all, all the law just simply looks at all the heirs equally depending on, as you say, the rank uh, in that, in that right. hierarchy uh, with the ancestor. But the law, this, this, this property law, and, and all uh-huh. of it applies across the board, not just to, to heirs, but to ownership. The law is, is really focused on clearing title. The law wants the title clear yeah. to the land so that it can be bought and sold in the marketplace. So that's that's the that's the impetus behind these statutes. And it doesn't mm-hmm. really address, I think, in a way that, that that's conducive to the, the, the heirs presently in keeping the land, conducive to them getting together uh, or negotiating or 
uh, as Horace said, you know, come to some common agreement whereby they right. can then move forward and and uh, and get some benefit out of the land. Now, you know, I, I, I hate to be uh, negative, but I have never mm-hmm. seen the reverse. I've never seen mm-hmm. folks on the other side of the fence let us take one inch of property from them. Oh, no. But I see I it work even... the opposite way because we let them. We don't present a unified front. Uh, like right. they do. They could hate each other's guts, but they're not going to let you take that property. Take that um, stuff. Right. And we uh-huh. do. We, we, we do let that inner family conflict get to the point uh, and get so ferocious to the point where someone else's waltz is in the middle and, and, and takes the property for a little of nothing. So that's why it's so important, as Horace said, to get folks involved, get everybody involved so that everybody can benefit and move forward. You also have to realize that a limited liability company is is not is going to be here after you die. So it, it has some sustainability for generations and generations that right. generations to come can still benefit from the efforts that we we are making today, that the family makes today, to uh, preserve, maintain, and, uh, and and really the benefits of the. Of the from the property itself as a collective unit by having this company. And it's interesting because I know here in the book, limited liability companies are defined. Clearing of the title is discussed. And once again, under clearing the title, it says there are four methods to clear the title to a family's property. Number one is probate of an estate action. Y'all have heard that mentioned already. Many of y'all are probably used to hearing that already, too, if you've had to deal with any real estate issues here. Number three is partition in kind action. You might not be as familiar with that. This is an action involving the confirming of current heirs and their ownership percentages, but also request the master in equity to subdivide the land equitably among the heirs. Master in equity is a particular judge for y'all who never heard that before, okay? Then number four is partition to sale action. Now, many of us have heard that petition sale action when y'all sit up here and continue to argue with the cousins, as we've been describing, and then you go to court, and then the judge said, well, you know what, I'm going to give y'all a little time here. I'm going to take a recess. Y'all can still go ahead and settle this thing. If y'all still aren't selling nothing, I ain't care, whatever, da, da, da. The judge would walk back in there and say, well, fine, y'all can't come to nothing on your own, that I'm going to come to it, and I'm going to say, sell it all, and then everybody will get their money based on the fair market value after your lawyers done got their money out, after whoever else get their money out, they got to get their money out in the state and the county and whosoever else, and then divide up these little checks amongst you, all because you and your cousin, who might have been the one that lived across the fence from each other, couldn't just sit down together and agree to how to go about this thing. So when we're talking about this and heirs' property and the unity of the family, it is critical not to have these attitudes about these really simplistic things like who you feel know too much just because they go on school, they think they know more than we, a thing like that. You better be glad somebody in the family know enough that they could sit down and understand some of the paperwork, understand a plat understand whether somebody else is surveying over your line and taking a few inches at a time, which becomes a foot or two at a time, which eventually all the way around your property becomes a half an acre, 
you better hope there is someone in the family that has that kind of knowledge, that kind of interest, and that kind of focus and be willing to share it with you as opposed to saying, oh, no, I ain't want Yeti for them because um, they think they're better than we. It's not that they think they're better if they are trying to help everybody. It's so that we all can live better, so that we can have a high quality of life like the ancestors that the brothers are talking about who are the real ones who the property belong to. They're the ones who bled on that property. They're the ones that sweated and picked cotton, rice, and indigo on that property for your no man or self to even have a place to be arguing about today. And so we need to learn to come together for sure, and we need to learn to respect one another. And I think that this book goes beyond being a legal book or a book that simplifies legality to it getting to the heart of some very critical issues in the Gullah Geechee community, in the black community, in the African-American community, wherein we are letting go of our true wealth. Because when you have land, that is the greatest asset you can have. Why y'all think they call it real? Okay? We talk about let's keep it real, let's get real. It's called real estate versus personal property. I had to learn from Attorney Haywood when I did my will that a mobile home was not real estate. That was personal property. <laughs> it's the land and a house actually affixed to it. In other words, as you all call a stick-built house, brick house, and stuff like that, then that's all real estate, okay? So if someone in the American language says something is real, trust me, it's a value. And you better hold on to it. And so we really don't have a lot of time for this kind of bickering to continue. And I think that it is so essential that we kind of get back, as Papa used to say to me, God bless the dead, and he was 96 when he passed. Girl, we have to get back to all that mark. So one of the parts of the book that I love that helps us to kind of get back to all landmark is to bring us back to the spirituality that's part of our family compounds, part of the Gullah Geechee community, and part of just about every black community I've ever found. And that's in Chapter 5, where he talks about African-American churches and heirs' property. Now, I had never heard that before. In any of my workshops that I attended or participated in, I never heard of the church and the heirs' property. Now, I don't get confused, listeners. We ain't talking about the church being the heirs of the property, but we're talking about the role that the church can play in helping the families that are part of these congregations. And I want to read a little bit of that part. It says, chronologically, the African ministers of the various denominations served many roles that collectively included, number one, spiritual teachings. Now, Brother Horace, you went on with that spiritual teachings to touch on something that you know most of our people want to run scared about, and I'm going to read it just like you wrote it. Every minister was charged with moving slaves from voodoo to the principles of Christianity. This was done through lessons from the Bible, the singing of spiritual songs, and a uniformity of religious doctrine. Now, you know, I can bring you on here another night for us to do a whole one hour about that one paragraph. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to even go no further, but I must say, I truly appreciated the fact that you didn't play blind to the history 
of spiritual practices in our area because there are still people who do practice voodoo and Christianity or either or. So let's not act like we don't know. And I was glad to actually see it and write it. Now, number two, education. That these ministers were also charged with teaching their congregation members to read and write to assist enslaved evolution, or as I would say, the evolution of enslaved Africans, as they call them from heathens to Christians. Number three, refuges. The ministers made the slaves' churches' services free of interference from the white power establishment. The enslaved and the freedmen were made to feel safe where their concerns could be expressed without fear of repercussion. And then number four, social movements. The ministers had an unofficial role of bringing forth social activities that were applicable in the lives of their congregation members. Now, I really feel like your book, by having this chapter, is building on to the fourth point. But you tell me, is that really what you had in mind by even having this chapter about the church and heirs' property, Brother Jones? Yes, ma'am. What I, what I did and, and what I want the listeners to understand is any advancements that have taken place since slavery have involved our church. And wh- why yeah. are our churches such critical parts of our social fabric? Because they always provided refuge where people could go uh, speak to their pastor, their minister, congregate and fellowship together in peace, like you said, without interference from uh, slave owners or, or white Americans in general. So mm-hmm. being being an incubator for, for our people socially, you know, mentally and spiritually, the church has also extended its services through the Civil Rights Movement, even before the Civil Rights right. Movement, through uh, the right. Civil War, the Civil through Rights abolition. Movement. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Any social changes that have taken place, historic in nature, have involved the participation of our churches. So uh, as of late, I guess the past 30, 40 years, since, since before I was born in the late 60s during Dr. King's era, the church, you know, really hadn't had a monumental battle in place. Sure, I mean, there, there are always test to the Voting Rights Act, making people have their driver's licenses, all kinds of crazy tactics mm-hmm. that that folks in power use to try to disenfranchise us again. But in principle, I think helping educate and guide our congregants through land retention, having a will prepared, you know, becoming more proactive in nature. It is a role of our ministers and pastors, and I think they need to um, that needs to be expressed to them, and they need to, yeah. um, you know, some fire needs to be sparked under those boys again. I mean, you know, a lot of major battles are over with, but there's still issues socially that African Americans suffer from disproportionately to white people. And here's probably is our problem. It's just like um, sickle cell. It is a problem that is indicative of the black community. And our ministers, you know, we, we need to challenge them to step up to to do more to help their congregants. Because um, I, I just think it's important. Social, that's why I put it in the book, because um, 
um, Willie and I, we've even set up a company that that helps. What what? And I'm sorry. When you ride by a white church, you know it's a white church. And the reason you know it's a white church because it's more than just a sanctuary. It's a private school. They got adult living facilities. It is mm. more than just a sanctuary. Conversely, you ride by a black church, and most of them are just a sanctuary. Well, imagine if our congregation members had wheels, left gifts to their church, and our churches right. were able to provide private school for our kids. Well, when we start right. our day, we drop our kids off, we go to work, we not work, we come back, right. had a rough day at church, I mean at work, talk to our minister, work. get some counseling, fellowship with our congregants, pick our child up and go home. Well, if mm-hmm. they also had those same facilities for our parents, then our whole world would revolve around our spirit, you know, our spiritual church, the campus right. on that church, and I think we would, just me, think we would have a closer relationship with our church, our congregation members, and our family. But I mean, you know, it's just me. I I agree with you one hundred percent, and I think mm-hmm. it's critical when you mentioned, you know, for some of the ministers to hear about if people had wills, them leaving some contribution to the church in their will <laughs> financially. Yes, ma'am. Uh, from from that as well, from some of the life insurance and so on that could go to further uplift these institutions that are supposed to be spiritual centers. And I, I am always about the holistic nature of the community, and I think you truly appropriately elaborated on that. And I know we got some folks in the chat room tonight who've seen people in and out, and I know maybe some of you might want to call in or if you want to log in with your full name, you can type in in the chat. But we'll open up the phone line in case anybody wants to call with the question before we end this episode, and the number is 347-324-3903, but I definitely want all of my listeners to do, it's a very simple process, you can go to Amazon.com, you don't even have to remember the name, H. Anderson Jones. I just tried it, if you just simply type in Ayers, and Ayers is H-E-I-R-S, Ayers property, not your ears on the side of your head. Ayers property, you type that in. Immediately, the book Ayers property in the African American community by Anderson Jones and Willie Haywood Esquire pops up at the top of the list. You can get the Kindle edition the same way I did and purchase it. Nine ninety nine. If you somebody who's been using Bing and you got your little Amazon gift card, you can knock off some money off of that. So you can go ahead, get your Airs property in the African-American community for your tablet, for your iPad, so you don't have any excuse. And if you're a person like me that still likes to also have your hardcover books, make sure to order this book. Now, I don't notice the hardcover edition popping up right here on Amazon. Where else is this book available? I would just direct them to contact Willa Hayward's office at the Ayers Property Law Center. He, um, we, we get him to keep hard copies down there since he's down there in Charleston County and the folks from Beaver County also can uh, just contact him. And he'll mail them out per order. But I will let you know that hard copy, that, that costs a lot more than a paperback. It's uh, $50. I but, uh, All right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me give you my contact information because I think it's, I think it's a resource. As Queen Flett said, when you have family reunions and family get-togethers and you're discussing property issues, it is imperative 
uh, that, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a resource and an indispensable resource that, that, that yeah. you, can, you can refer to and you don't have to get bogged down, as you said, in all this legal jargon. It's plain to understand and it touches on the issues that are, are, are most important to, 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 to delegate your community. But my yeah. number in the 843 area code, if I can, uh, is uh, 225-8754. So anyone who wants a hard copy can, can uh, you know, contact me, and I will be glad to, uh, to forward uh, one to you and, 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 you know, tell you basically even if you need uh, some clarification after you get the book. You know, if you want to have a family reunion, I think it's very, very important to share this book with your other family members and also, as, uh, as Horace also said, share with your pastors, share with your church, uh, yes. discuss ways. It's, it's, time, it's time to tell what should be told. It's time for us to step up now and protect uh, what, what is ours. So I would, I would encourage all of you uh, to at least uh, get the book, read it, uh, and, and talk about some of the issues that we're talking about tonight because we can't talk about talk about it on on Thursday and forget about it on Saturday because it's something right. that's ongoing. And Horace and I know that the pressure from the the increase in value of this real estate is not going to go away. Even you know down the pike, they're even changing the laws having to do with this property. Yeah. Meaning you got to have a twenty percent interest even bring a quiet title act. So you have to mm. do something now. It's an imperative. Our ancestors really have has sacrificed too much for us yes. to have a place at the table for us to just give it away. Exactly. And so once again, y'all can go to heirspropertylawcenter.org. That's the website for the Heirs Property Law Center. And the book's title is Heirs Property in the African-American Community. You can go to Amazon and get it, or you can call for your hard copy to the Heirs Property Law Center. As for Attorney Hayward, the number is 843 225 Eight seven five four. That's correct, right? Eight four three. That is that. That's it. Two two five eighty seven fifty four. That is the correct so number. We, yes. And I'd also like to, to once, mm-hmm. once again once again commend uh, Horace because when I looked at the book, most people might look at the book and say, "Well, okay, that's a nice book," and he touched on you know a lot of issues that are important. It took a tre- <laughs> tremendous amount of work. Uh, to yeah. produce that book, and a tremendous amount of yeah. insight, and you know, uh, spirituality, and all these other things. To, 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 to I, I'd hate to see it, 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 it. You know, it's inspired. Because when I first read it, it I said this has been needed for, you know, for generations, right? yeah. absolutely for ages. So I would like to commend uh, uh, Horace for for his work and his efforts, and, and really putting that out to the community where where we can have a tool now. Uh, to yeah. uh, to use and preserving our property and our legacy. Definitely, and I definitely commend you because we intend to use it, like I say, at the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, and the three of us going to take this show on the road because we are intending to have you all at our Heritage Day celebration here on St. Helena in November, but we got to get together and do some things before that and have you at our Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival doing a book signing in August while we're in Charleston because, you know, this is something we do every year. And on that note, we got an eight. 843 phone number calling in 735 come alive 843735 come alive how hundred to do this evening how did it do fine i'm doing fine queen greetings to you queen and mr william mr horace 
I really want to commend you for that book. I'm sitting here like, oh, that's just how I think. I know that's right now. You gave me confirmation. And I got. I yeah. will get the book. My name is Elder Carly Tom. I'm so excited about this book. It really was needed. And I thank you so much for the vision. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely you gotta you got to get it. And I know... Um, Elder Town, you just got a tablet, so you can easily get yours tonight <laughs> on Amazon and download it to your tablet. And I know you yeah. were there the last time Attorney Haywood came with yeah. us in Charleston and did a workshop. And so, you yeah. know, I must say to you, it looks like it just about everything short of him talking about, you know, you got to even have written record that your daddy is your daddy. Short of that, everything else is really, truly laid out. The questions that people had that day for that discussion about what kind of documents do I need, what does this take, what does this mean, the glossary and the examples that are in this book really bring it to life, and they do it in such a way that I feel like everybody can comprehend it, that you don't need a law degree to comprehend right, it. Right, and so right. it is really important, and I'm so glad that you were tuned in tonight and that you could yes. be here to hear this because, you know, it's one thing to have these workshops. Like Brother Hay would say, you have workshop Thursday or Saturday, you done forgot. But now right. you would have a reference point to keep going back to it, even if you missed it in your notes during a gathering like that. So this is a critical document that we have here in hand, and I'm truly praying that the Gullah Geechee Angel Network that you run will also have copies to use at functions and that we can definitely get these brothers to our festival um, so that they can be there and the community can come on out and meet, greet, and learn more about what we the fight for, who upon down young and things like that, because you all know I give my blood, sweat, and tears to this holding on to our land, so I'm happy to have a tool to help us do that. Yes. Yep. So definitely, Brother Horace, any final words for the audience tonight? Well, I just thank all those listeners out there and um, want all families to remember the, the, to protect and preserve your land or to sell or develop your land all hinges upon the relationship within that family and that leadership structure. So Definitely. make sure your leaders are respected and you bring your children out to respect their elders and um, those elders are held in high esteem because they know what's best for their property. Wow. Yes, that. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Brother Haywood? Absolutely. And I, I also like to interject. Our, our ancestors haven't gone anywhere. They're looking. They're looking to see uh, what we're going to do. Uh, you know, and, and it's our turn on the stage, and and yeah. this property is, and we are now the trustees of this property. And if we yeah. let this chain break on our watch, that's a travesty. That's a sin, if you want to put it that way. Because mm-hmm. if they have, they have passed, it is passed down to us, now we are the trustees, and it's incumbent upon us with all these resources we have around us and available to us. Mr. Uh, Horace's book is another Another tool that we can use, yes. we have to use what we have and use our spiritual spiritual connection to each other and to the land to move forward because it's not over yet. And so we can't sit it's down and over. stop and act as if 
uh, we don't know what time it is and what we have to do. So I think we all know deep down what we have to do. We have to really value ourselves and our family more than what they're putting on the table in these shiny things. So uh, I'd like to, you know, applaud the, the efforts of every, anybody, every and anybody in the field of, of ears property and, and land preservation uh, for yes. the work they've done in this arena. Yes, I surely appreciate that, and I appreciate all of you for all the continued work you're doing because I know it ain't easy. It's sometimes a thankless job, and it don't pay as much as going on a teeth and people land seem to pay. So we definitely appreciate you and respect you for using your law degrees to not just help yourselves or your wives and children, but to help all of we down here for whole upon the land like we ancestors would have want we for do. So we can still have one place for shouting and one more bush arbor for gathering. So definitely thank you, thank you to Hunter Chillin for joining me this evening and thing like that for celebrate this year month of Gullah Geechee land and legacy. And Hunter Chillin, you know if you did with me, we going to crack we teeth for what going on down here, but rather what, what we can do for keep them going on into the future. And this year the Queen Quet head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation, so glad to be the hostess for Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. I going to see Hunter Chillin this year weekend in Georgia. Well, we Gullah Geechee Weekend in Georgia, but look out for GullahGeecheeNation.com. We will be blogging this week about Ayers Property one more again and about this year's book, Ayers Property in the African-American Community. Make sure you get your copy. This ain't the last time we go crack we teeth, but this your land, because upon this your Sea Island sand, we going to keep on the stand. So, Hunter Chillin, God bless you, y'all. Keep holding upon the land. Keep holding upon the family. Hunter Chillin, no. Without the land, we ain't going to be free. Stand up, because we be Gullah Geechee, anointed people, peace and blessings.